all of you. All of you freaks. Mutation. Welcome to the Horrible Tradition Podcast, the father and son horror cast. I am your host, Tal, a.k.a. Dad, and joining me as always is my co-host, Presley, a.k.a. my son. First and foremost, before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to say thank you to all two people who listened to last week's episode. Well, technically week before last, but episode one nonetheless. Not sure who you are. I know it wasn't me. Fairly sure it wasn't you. Absolutely. Fairly sure it wasn't anyone I'm related to that I'm aware of, because I'm sure they would have let me know. But whoever you are, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode, which is 1984 cult classic, Chud. Presley, what does Chud stand for? Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers, a.k.a. my ex-wife. <laughs> now, Chud was released in 1984, as I said, and was directed by Douglas Cheek. Presley, what else did Douglas Cheek direct? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Nothing at all. He, From what I could see, he has many editing credits, only directorial credit as Chud. I'm not sure why. It's a fantastic movie. Didn't even get the sequel, which is called, not even kidding, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Greatest sequel name in the history of sequels. Because I can only hope that it's Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Yeah. He lives in a basement. He's kind of a creep. Chud 2, Bud Bundy the Chud. Now, Chud stars three people who have one thing in common. Do you know what that thing is, Presley? They're all in Home Alone. They're all in one of the Home Alone movies. Starting, of course, with John Hurd, who played the father of young Kevin McAllister, but in this movie plays George Cooper, the photographer. Then we go with Daniel Stern, who played one half of the Sticky Bandits, Marv. But here plays A.J. the Reverend Shepherd, And Christopher Curry, who in this film plays Captain Bosch. But in Home Alone 3 played Agent Stucky. I've never seen Home Alone 3. I don't consider it a Home Alone movie. Fight me. Okay, so would you consider Chud remakeable? I know you don't like remakes. I'm not a fan of the remake. I would not remake Chud. Although, in 2007, it was rumored that Rob Zombie was considering a remake. I would go broke seeing if, if it was appropriate, Rob Zombie's Chud, because that would be amazing. No, I would definitely watch a Rob Zombie Chud remake. As much as I hate remakes, I would definitely watch that one. We'd get blood. We'd get blood. We'd get to see the monster. It'd be, it'd be ridiculous. Now, see, that's something you mentioned while we were watching the film. I like how little you see the monster. I think it's more impactful. But I understand your generation. You love seeing things. You're always wanting to see all the things. It's not even... It's the fact that we have a thing that can kill um john goodman and oh, r.i.p john goodman and chud thank the lord he's not really dead although 2020 is not over and the way it's going who knows i thought you were going to say r.i.p john goodman i'm going to be like when did he die he did not die if he did i'd still be crying <laughs> now the budget for chud was 1.25 million dollars which 
as far as movie goes, not a lot. Which is not, it's not an independent film. I already checked in every index in this book. because <laughs> Presley has a book, by the way, on independent film, and it's become his Bible. And it is, it is. Uh, it goes all the way to um, the 2000s, and I, it's just, I would consider Chad an independent film, because it doesn't have, like, Neon Cinema or Warner or Miramax attached to it, and even Miramax is small. Well, yeah, but those aren't the only three, uh, like, production companies. Yeah. Uh, however, even though a relatively small budget, it did at the box office bring in four point seven million dollars. So successful, made uh four times its budget, which yeah. you know is if any movie does is really good. As we mentioned earlier, nineteen eighty nine spawned a sequel, Chud Two, by the Chud, and uh, even has relevancy in later pop culture because in two thousand three's Tony Hawk Underground, a version of Chud called Thud appeared in the game. And even in the 2019 Jordan Peele film, Us, you can see a VHS copy of Chud appearing in the opening shot. Which now I'm going to hunt down Tony Hawk's game and play it on one of his platforms. Uh, they are re-releasing Tony Hawk's 1 and 2 remastered for Xbox in August. And your boy is excited. What is it? Underground is one of those? Uh, no. Underground is a much later version uh, addition in the, the game I'm series. Gonna... I'm going to hunt it down and beat everything just so I can see it. Just so, so I can see chat. here we go. Uh, the film opens with a woman, Flora Bosch, walking her dog down an empty, darkened city street, which, by the way, surprises me. The emptiest streets in the history of New York City in the movie Chud. Literally no one in the streets of New York City in this movie. How's that happening? I think this movie would be better set in, say, Chicago or a smaller town. Where it would have a bigger impact on people. Like people going missing. Because nobody cares in this movie. Because nobody knows about the homeless people population. No. You know. Nobody Just, knows about the homeless. Because they live underground. As she passes by a manhole. A creature attacks Mrs. Bosch. And drags her and her dog into the sewer. And honestly I feel worse for the dog. Than I do with any human in this movie. Yep. George Cooper lives with his girlfriend Lauren. George, a once prominent fashion photographer, has since foregone fame and fortune. His current project is photographing New York City's homeless population, specifically those known as undergrounders, or people who reside within the bowels of the city. I love the phrase, within the bowels, because <laughs> it makes homeless people sound like poop. But they're not. I homeless just, people matter. I have a question when you get to the... I might have an answer. When you get to all the people... She, this lady calls on the photographer later in the movie just because he took pictures of him. Why does she call upon a photographer if she barely knows? I'm not sure why she calls upon a photographer. They're old Bill Shakespeare from Greenbrier upon Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, two notes I have. First of all, the opening credit music I love. It's the most 80s music ever. Love a heavy sympathy. And uh, two, the first two people you see in this movie are quite possibly... Uh, no, I'm sorry, they're not the first two. Because the first person you see in this movie is Mrs. Bosch. But the first two homeless people you see in this movie are quite possibly the creepiest old people ever put on film. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost certain that the old lady is a mannequin up against a building. It's truly, that was the most terrifying part of the movie for me. 
Captain Bosch has a personal interest in the recent flood of missing persons being reported to his precinct as Flora, his wife, remains missing. Bosch interviews A.J. the Reverend Shepherd, who, by the way, in this movie, Daniel Stern has the sweetest mullet helmet of hair I've ever seen in my life. It is magnificent. He also has the best lines. Well, of course, he's Daniel Stern. He's gonna have the best lines. And he throws a man's briefcase at one point. I mean, you there you can do a lot of things. You don't step on you don't step on Superman's cape. You don't spit in the wind. You don't throw a man's briefcase. Shepard believes recent events to be part of a massive government cover-up and has the evidence to prove it. Bosch's supervisors know more than they are letting on and seem to be taking their cues from Wilson, who works for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, who also has the worst mustache in film history. It's not even a mustache, people. It goes from his nose, and it doesn't even touch the corners of his mouth. It's just long Upkept nose hair. Okay, so uh, enough with the mustache talk because uh, I can't grow one. Oh no, we'll talk about mustaches for hours. Uh, Ron freaking Swanson. Has Ron freaking Burgundy. <laughs> and, uh, I hate this relationship at the beginning of the movie between um Stern or or Shepard in the movie and Bosch because. Shepard and Bosch. Bosch. This fall, TNT. Bosch is the like the rudest person. He's a cop. He's a New York City cop. And, they ain't got time for no guff. And then he, and then he becomes like this guy. He's like, nice shot, nice shot. Spoiler alert! It turns out that the monsters are lurking beneath the streets. Beings that were once human, but have now mutated by radioactive chemical toxic waste into hideous flesh-eating creatures that prey on the homeless who live in the underground. Is this Chudder the Toxic Avenger, am I right? No. I have a feeling that one just did not land. <laughs> Given the recent drop in the underground transient population, the crowds have resorted to coming to the surface through sewer manholes to feed. Through a series of events, both George and AJ find themselves trapped in the sewers, a reporter gets involved and eaten, and Lauren has a problem with both a clogged shower drain and a mutant that comes up through the sewer access point that she opened in the basement of her apartment building. Okay, so we covered a lot of ground there. Let's break it down a little bit. Um, first of all, how bad can the Chuds be? They eat an old man, but not a child. That's exactly what Okay, they didn't touch the kid. They didn't touch the dog either. They just hung him up. They ringed his neck and hung him right <laughs> They're making jerky out of the dog. Okay. Uh, what doesn't get mentioned in, throughout all this is how irrelevant um, the dad from Home Alone and his girlfriend are. There could be a movie, this movie, without them. They play... <laughs> he doesn't, what does he do? What's being uh, glossed over here in that, that little reading is that uh, Cooper... And his girlfriend, Lauren, in this movie, are having a baby. Yeah. And I mention that because the most romantic line in any movie ever, and that includes movies like Shakespeare and Love. That includes movies like Sleepless in Seattle. Chasing Amy. The most romantic line in any movie ever. Okay, let's have a kid. It's just, okay, let's have a kid. Meh. Wait, before we, um, before we go back. 
there's a great description of the monster in the movie, but there is not one time you can see it very, very clearly other than when she cuts its head off, and that is very disappointing to me. Yeah, I feel like if they got a bigger budget, and if they had tried more, they could have had a great monster. I actually like the way the Chud looked. I looked into it, I couldn't find out who was the uh, the designer of the Chud. But I've got in my notes that the Chuds kind of look like if uh, the Piranhas from Piranha and Nosferatu had a baby. I think it looks more like the thing, like a greener the thing. Greener thing. Are you? Do you mean thing from the John Carpenter film, the thing, or thing from the uh, Fantastic Four? John Carpenter. You know how it like cranes its neck around on the roof and has a super stretchy long neck. Yes. That is. That is what this is. AJ and George both discover that the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is directly involved in the slaughter that's been going on. Although the political bureaucracy has forbidden the NRC to transport the toxic waste through New York because of the large-scale danger to the public, it has secretly been hiding the waste byproducts marked as contamination hazard urban disposal beneath Manhattan in the abandoned subway tunnels. The underground homeless population has been coming into contact with these byproducts, turning them into the mutated creatures. To protect this secret, Wilson sends a man to disrupt AJ from making phone calls to the press, which leads me to what I believe is truly the most disturbing moment of this film, and the most disgusting moment in any film ever, and that includes a John Water film where a woman eats dog poop. A man takes a coin out of AJ's hand that was put into a New York City public phone and swallows it. <laughs> I just, First of all, AJ cooks for the homeless, bless his heart. But he doesn't look like the most well-kept man. I don't think he's washing under them fingernails. Second of all, it's a public phone in New York yeah. City in 1984. I would, I would rather jump in the sewer and let Chud eat me. Yeah, I would rather be in the sewer with Chud than touch that coin, let alone eat it. I just want to say that Daniel Stern is the biggest comic relief in this movie. He's fantastic. He yells, eat it. <laughs> he yeah. yells, eat it, to the NRC guy before he throws his briefcase. I love it. Eat it! I'm just going to start yelling, eat it at people. And they, uh, another thing about the monster, they had an opportunity to show the dead body, but they showed it out of his... I, I love that kind of thing where you reflect off something. Like in Where you see in a reflection as opposed to actually seeing it. In Saw, you look up and there's a mirror showing the dude coming around the car in one of the flashbacks. That is great. But when we don't get to see a monster or a dead body, it is not good. Uh, it's I, I, I like, it, in older films, I like how you, you saw a lot of things happening in shadow. You, you, there was a lot of the illusion of what was happening. It wasn't shown to you directly. So I understand what you're saying, where you kind of you kind of saw the monster on the gurney, but you didn't exactly see the monster. You kind of got an idea, but it left it to your imagination to fill in the blanks. This thug then locks AJ in an underground access tunnel, either to suffocate from the gas to be used to asphyxiate the chuds, or to leave him to become their prey. Later that evening at a diner, two police officers enter, and while the waitress and the two are discussing, the monsters return and attack the diner inhabitants, 
Who is one of the police officers, Presley? John Goodman. John John Goodman is one of the police officers. And nothing makes a grown man of my age happier than seeing Dan Connor in anything. Because John Goodman is an American hero. I was... I think... My face lights up every time I see a celebrity I know in a movie. And <laughs> so every time you watch a movie? Uh, no, but like, like special celebrities who are like... An unexpected cameo. Yes, like um, Kevin Smith and the Disaster Artist. In this one... Anytime Stan Lee is in any movie ever. Yeah, and in this one it was uh, very special. Let's go back a few minutes and let's talk about when Lauren has the running with the Chuck. She leaves the access to the basement open when the Chud comes through. She goes to run out of the apartment, locks the door, turns around, there's a Chud. Yeah. What does Lauren do? She runs back in the apartment, locks the door, and then she, a tiny woman, a tiny human woman, starts moving furniture in front of the door. All furniture that she can move. Yet she thinks... This is going to stop a cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dweller from getting into her apartment. This is why people die in horror movies. Uh, I just want to say she did not know the capabilities of the chat. Even though... Don't you take up for Lauren. Even though... Don't you take up for Lauren. <laughs> she knew it had to be able to get out of the basement by blowing that door off. Because there was no way he was going to be able to turn that door off. Look, all I'm going to say... Is that if you were ever trapped in your apartment by a monster, if you can move it, don't block the door with it. So early in the movie, you had an interesting um, kind of thought about what might be in the sewers. Do you care to share that? Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Chud actually stands for Kelbonga, hurry up, dude. <laughs> this is the story of what really happened. When animals come in contact <laughs> with Toxicos, they turn into Chuds. They don't turn into Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Leonardo. No, 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 no. But they weren't humans. They were turtles. They, If we drop some turtles in that Chud sauce... If you drop turtles in that Chud sauce, you end up with Bebop and Rocksteady. You don't end up <laughs> with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I love Bebop and Rocksteady. Back to the plot, Captain Bosch argues with Wilson over how to deal with the threat. Wilson wants to seal the sewers, open up some gas lines, and asphyxiate the Chud, despite the inherent danger to the city. Wilson is really a bigger villain in this movie than the Chud. The, the name of the movie should not be Chud, it should be Wilson. <laughs> hey, Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson. I don't know why Pee Wee Herman showed up there, but he did. <laughs> but no, Wilson, the Chud are, are mutated freaks. They're just doing what, what mutated freaks do. I know, I know a couple. Okay, don't judge me. But Wilson is really, you know what, excuse my language, I shouldn't talk like this. In front of my 14-year-old. But Wilson, he's just a real poopy head. <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere way he's different. Just, he's just a real bad so-and-so. Okay, Presley. So let's talk about... Before we uh, 
wrap up the plot here, let's talk about some of the characters and what you thought. What did you think about George uh, as a character? I don't, I don't think, I don't agree with him. Uh, why is he helping people he just took pictures of? Like, he... um, I think, I think George is just empathetic. Uh, I think he he took pictures of these people, probably spent a little time with them, got to know them. And he just kind of feels like, you know, he's in a position where he can help, so why not help? Um, I, I don't know that they necessarily did the best job making him an empathetic character. He was just kind of a guy. He was kind of a jerk to his girlfriend they could at the beginning of the movie. I think he could have been uh, written a little better to make him be a, a character we care more about. Because honestly, aside from AJ, Daniel Stern's character... And uh, Bosch, who we come to like throughout the movie. He's this paper-thin character that is a jerk to his girlfriend. George. Yeah, Not George, Bosch. George, okay, George, yeah. George. I, yeah, he's he's very, he's just there um, to push the homeless narrative, I believe. There could be this movie without him. Um, Daniel Stern might not have. Yeah, uh, you could have this movie with just Daniel Stern. Uh he has a bigger part with the homeless than I think George does. Exactly. But, you know, it is what it is. Can, what we, else do you can we talk about Daniel Stern? Yeah, let's talk about Daniel Stern while we're talking about characters. Uh, AJ, the Reverend. I I have this huge note to point out that I don't think anyone else has noticed. It is when the, the cop, um, Bosch, Bosch comes to investigate and he says he'll be back later and he, he does come back later while Daniel Stern is eating and Daniel Stern runs the soup kitchen and he stands up and he throws his food out what was left in his bowl how could he waste food working in a soup kitchen just he's not a good cook <laughs> that's that's probably true but <laughs> That was the biggest thing I took away from this movie. It's not how much I hate the monster. Or it's how much you hate <laughs> Daniel Stern's wastefulness of his own food. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just not in the mood for soup. Uh, oh, I love a good soup, though. What's your favorite soup? Uh, chicken noodle. Oh, potato. <laughs> oh, mm. I love a good gnocchi, too. Mmm, chicken gnocchi. Spelled with a G, Nyoki is. <laughs> I think that silent G. That's staying him out. Welcome to Soup Talk with Kyle and Presley. Oh, have you tried the Nyoki? It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, you talked about uh, earlier, we talked about how you enjoy seeing guest cameos. How about seeing Sam McMurray as Officer Crespi in there? And, of course, we all know Sam McMurray as the uh, boss from King of Queens. Oh, I watch King Queens. I always like seeing that face. Uh, he's a he's a bit actor in a lot of stuff. He does a lot of voice actor work, too. I don't like his face. I would much prefer him as a voice actor. Oh, love that face. He kind of reminds <laughs> me of uh, the dad from the middle who, and the janitor from Scrubs. Same guy, obviously. Yeah. But they have a very similar look. I always kind of get those two confused. One's really freakishly tall, like the dad from the Middle East. I don't know that I'd call him freakishly oh, tall. Here. He's not like 8 foot 11. No, he's not. But That's freakishly tall. He's he's something special. He's something special. Because I've watched every episode of the movie. You have too much time on your hands, my son. Exactly. Let's round this thing out. Wilson, 
after being overwhelmed by a boss, shoots him and drives the truck in reverse, aiming for George and AJ. But they escape from the manhole just in time as Wilson passes them over. AJ finds Bosch's gun and shoots and kills Wilson before he hits them. I don't know if you can hear that, but there's a siren in the background. They're actually coming to get Wilson. Uh, I want to talk about the kills for a minute. If we, or you could finish and then we'll talk about the kills. Okay, I have like two more sentences and then we'll talk about the kills. The truck explodes as it falls on the manhole. Bosch is found to be alive and George, Lauren, and AJ are safe and live happily ever after. First thing I want to say is if you're ever looking for a good plot synopsis, don't go to Wikipedia because that sucked. I know. I was. A lot of, a lot of ground left uncovered there. I was. The kills. Let's talk about the Let's kills. talk about the kills. 22 people die in this movie. 17 being male, 2 being female, 2 chuds. 2 chuds. That we know of. And that is a very, like, I did a pie chart of it. And it is you a, did a pie chart? It is a very uneven one. Is it pecan? Was it key lime? Was it Mississippi mud? It was apple. It was apple. Mm. <laughs> That's all your pie. I don't like baked fruit. <laughs> Any Hooski, what was your favorite kill? Uh, what the... What we would do what would, what is called a golden chainsaw, which is the best kill, and a gold machete is the worst kill. Mine would be uh definitely the dude who hit his head and the guy who fell off the ladder, the homeless man who fell off the ladder and hit his head. Yeah, none because you get to see his like waist gone because they eat him. No, 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 no. You're not. No, you're talking about. The guy you're thinking about is the friend, Victor's friend, Hugo. Hugo, okay. Hugo. Hugo, who gets split in half. And yes, Hugo gets eaten. So that's not necessarily kill. That's just your favorite uh, gross-out scene. My favorite kill. My is... favorite kill's going to be uh, Lauren with the sword when she cuts mm -hmm. off the chud's head. Okay. Because my... you get to see the chud do a weird thing with its neck, turn into a giraffe all of a sudden. And then Lauren just lops it off. If mine doesn't count as a kill, though, then I I wanna I wanna say the does it count if we didn't see them die? Because the dudes with the yeah you have to see them die. It's a kill. You have to see them. Die. Have to see them die. Wilson's is also a good death too, mainly because Wilson dies. Because <laughs> again, pardon my French, real poop head that guy. <laughs> All right, the, <laughs> my favorite is definitely the the Chad guy's head chopped off. Okay, and the, so we're in agreement. The lamest kill of the dude who fell off the ladder. Yeah, the guy who fell off the ladder is a pretty lame death. He just bonked his head. He just he bonked his head. Took a little napski. Shouldn't have been dead, but was. Daniel Stern also had a really weird reaction to it, too. Dude. Like, it was his best friend in the whole wide world. He got angry. The Presley? Yeah. I think that's going to wrap it up for Chud. Oh, wow. A.K.A. the story of how A.J. the Preacher becomes of the sticky bandits uh well i gave it i don't know if i was gonna i'm doing a rating I you're gonna do a rating here what, yeah. what's the rating system eight out of a ten it's um eight one out of ten eight skulls out of ten eight skulls because it's uh or eight decapitated heads like oh we can go with whatever eight severed heads out of ten it, i'm gonna give it a uh i'm gonna give it a six out of ten it's a must watch movie it's a top five it's a top five for you. Well, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. I give it a six out of ten. Uh, last week, towards the end of the episode, 
we did a, a little segment where we suggested movies that the listeners, all two of you, might enjoy going and watching if you enjoy this podcast. And uh, I think we should keep that tradition alive, make it a tradition rather. And uh, Presley, do you have any suggestions or recommendations for this week? Alright, I'm going to do a double feature. I'm going to do Tremors and Tremors 2. Tremors and Tremors 2. Because they are really good monster movies that show the monster. They, sh- they do show the monster, perhaps more than show In Kevin Bacon's performance. When he laughs and yells the F word at it, that was the best <laughs> part of the movie. For me, I'm also going double feature. Uh, I'm going to go with a, uh, a Nicolas Cage double feature. Anybody that knows me knows my affection for uh, Mr. Cage. I'm going with Mandy. And a color out of space, color out of space, based on the uh, H.P. Lovecraft story of the same name. And Mandy, which is if you've ever wondered what medieval revenge films would be like if they were on all of the acid. I was about to say if you take acid, just all of it, not some of it, but all <laughs> of it, you get Mandy, and I love it so much. I've probably seen it five times. It's one of the few movies of the last five years that I actively sought out. Like, I I, I sought out and I bought it. I bought the movie. I don't buy movies a lot, but I bought this movie. I'm cheap, and I bought both these movies, actually. And uh, I love them both, and you should watch them both. Nicolas Cage is a tour de force. I saw a shout-out to the Kill Count for the... Because they do kill counts of every horror movie imaginable. And they did the Mandy one. And I watched the first couple minutes. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Because he describes it. But I, my eyes could not keep up. Because it was like. It's a lot. It's just red and weird. It's a lot. But if you're of the age. Or if you're uh, if you're not. And your parents allow you to watch such things. Uh, watch it twice. Back to back. Mandy that is. Because there's a lot to take in. It's one of those movies that every time you watch it, you find something new. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, visually, uh, Nicolas Cage's performance is amazing. Uh, all in all, it's a fantastic movie. It's by the same director who did uh, a movie called uh, Over the Black Rainbow, which is another movie that you have to watch like ten times to even kind of start to get it. But uh, Color Out of Space and Mandy, check them out. Uh, Tremors 1, Tremors 2, check them out. I think they're on Netflix, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Um, they're going to be taken off soon, though, so go check them out while you can. And, uh, that does it for this week's episode. Chud, the story of how AJ the preacher, AJ the the reverend, Reverend. became Marv, one half the Sticky Bandits, which led to Chud 2, a.k.a. Home Alone. I don't know if there's any Joe Pesci horror movies, but there's definitely Joe Pesci mobster movies. But this, this is not a mobster podcast. This is a horror cast. And so I'm going to spring the news on you right now. In two weeks' time for episode three, we're going a different route with horror. We're not necessarily doing your classic spooky ooky horror. We're going to go the comedic route when we watch... Beetlejuice. Oh, man. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Ah, I thought we were talking about Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. No, we will definitely be doing Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, but the next time we come at you on the Horrible Tradition podcast, it will be with Beetlejuice. Your initial reaction was, oh man, is that because you were hoping or because you're not a fan? 
It's because I was hoping we'd do like when you said you're gonna throw the news at me. I was hoping we get to do like a hardcore maybe like bloody over the top. Let me ask you a question. When I say the word Beetlejuice, what's the first thing that pops in your brain? Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice himself. Yeah, him in like the white striped suit and holding that dude's head, like the movie cover. You know what pops into my mind? Beetles and juice. Hey, Mister Tally Man, tally me banana. Daylight come, me won't go home. Speaking of going home, it's your bedtime. It's time to go nighty night. that's gonna be it for this week thank you for listening check us out on twitter it's a really stupid twitter handle i know but it's at horrible with a capital h tradi t-r-a-d-i and the number one on twitter the horrible tradition podcast on instagram and a facebook Soon to come. I just really hate Facebook and then putting off starting it, but I will do it. And when I do, I'll let you know. And if you were one of the two people who listened to us last week, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Instagram, let me know, and you'll get a shout out so that the other person who listened will know that you listened. Have we checked to see if, like, have we updated the stats to see if anybody else? Yes, only two. (laughs) So. Thank you for listening. Join us in two weeks' time when we talk about Beetlejuice. And until then, stay spooky.